Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're going to talk about seeing family. Especially when family is not on this side of the 49th parallel. We're going to talk about all these things. There are some astounding things that were said this week that blew my mind a little bit. The conversation around travel was addressed by the Prime Minister. Justin Trudeau announced this week that the border would remain closed until at least the end of July. Which doesn't surprise me, as we see statistically some of the stats in the states actually going up and not coming down. Some of the provinces starting to see some bumps in COVID numbers. Other provinces seeing them go down. And regardless of where you are in the country, it's different. It's different where things reopen here and things reopen there. Here in Western Canada, yesterday I went to Banff. Because you can do that. It's just a little drive down the road, about an hour away. And it's no problem. They're open for business. Not a lot open, but they're open. And one of the cool things they've done there in a very touristy location is they've actually closed the main street, blocked it off, so the sidewalks wouldn't be so crowded. So things are different wherever you go. The experience is different with whatever you see. And travel is starting to become maybe a possibility. The question about how far can you go into province? You see, the thing about traveling is that you can't really drive across the border from Ottawa into Holland into Quebec. But you can hop a flight from the Ottawa airport to the Montreal airport. No problem. So things have not been figured out at all. But things are changing and something to look forward to. For example, different airlines doing different things. But some things will stay closed. It was the right thing to further extend by 30 days our closure of the Canada-U.S. border to travelers other than uh, essential services and goods. So what does that mean? The Prime Minister said that. And there have been so many people that have dealt with so many family issues across a closed border. It's been hard. Our first guest on the program today is Dr. David Edward Uipun. Now, he's co-founder of a Facebook group called Advocacy for Family Reunification at the Canadian Border. He's a doctor in Canada. His common-law partner, Alexandria, is a nurse in Ireland. Now, his personal story, we will dig into. It's unbelievable. But what he's learned so far, and I look forward to David sharing, is cross-border rules are different depending on marital status. Welcome to the show, Dr. David. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you very much, Shane. I, David is just fine. All right. <laughs> well, you can call me doctor, though. I'm not one, but it'll make me feel better. Um, well, I really appreciate your time today. So you st- you founded this this group clearly after the, the shutdown had started, hey? Um, so all of our issues um, have 
become very apparent after the shutdown started. Right. And I think it's very important for us to talk very clearly on the words and terminology, only because as the pandemic gets a lot more people more aggravated and more scared, we want to make sure that people know that what we're advocating for is very specific and to deal with a very particular issue, not trying to create increased uh, COVID concerns or increase our uh, decreased border security. Yeah, that makes sense. And marital status in this matter. So I appreciate for the stand to be accurate in our language so we don't mislead yeah. into some sort of pushback against responsible behavior. And I imagine as a doctor, that must be a little conflicting to think, hey, I want to see my honey, but at the same time, I can't <laughs> because my own moral compass says I've got to be responsible, plus there are other things going on. Absolutely. And um, I think there are also ways we can do so responsibly, and I'd like to get into those details soon. I just want to clarify one thing. While I am a physician, I do not speak for other physicians. I do not speak for any other large groups. This is solely for me as a personal citizen with uh, the advocacy group that I help co-found. Yeah. Oh, that's very good clarity. Thank you very much. Um, so <laughs> tell us, uh, well, no, it matters. I mean, that kind of clarity really matters, right? So in your particular case, uh, we will talk about the, the travel with, uh, with your common law partner and yes, what Alexandria went through in just a few moments. Um, first, I want to talk about the cross-border stuff that you've learned from your group. So tell us what you've learned about cross-border travel as it has been and what it's yes. changed to be. Thank you for the question. So advocacy for family reunification at the Canadian border specifically advocates for two principles. Number one, expand the definition of essential travel to include family reunification. And number two, to expand the definition of family to include committed couples. Just as a refresher for your listeners, mid-March, March 18th, there was a order in council to create a travel restriction on foreign nationals to come into Canada. That meant you could only come in for essential reasons. Now, it was later expanded to the U.S., this meant that at the time, if you had a married partner, if, you're, if your husband or your wife or your married partner was outside of Canada and not a Canadian citizen, that person coming to see you in Canada, be with you during this horrendous time and challenging pandemic, was not considered essential. Now, on June the 8th, that changed. So luckily, whether or not it was due to us, whether or not we helped it happen earlier, whether or not it happened because of our advocacy, or if it was just going to happen anyway, it happened. So we're very grateful to the government of Canada for the first part. Family reunification is now allowed for a certain set of people who are considered family. This includes IRCC, um, sorry, uh, uh, immigration refugee citizens of Canada, uh, designated common law, and married partners. However, this leaves a large number of people not considered family, and that's what we're referring to as committed partners. So the most basic example, a fiancé. A fiancé that you've uh, been engaged to, you want to get married to, that person cannot uh, come with you. Let's say that you have a long-term committed partner and you're pregnant in Canada, you still cannot reunite with your family member. Uh, this can also apply to LGBTQ uh, plus couples who for various political, social, or personal reasons are unable to get married. Or, as we see increasingly during this uh, new age of people, uh, where marriage may not be necessarily considered. Now, I want to clarify one thing. My partner and I, interestingly, we do not fit the criteria for the IRCC common law. We do, however, from what we as lay people read, we fit the CRA definition of common law. And that yeah. later becomes an issue. So, so that, that the CRA definition, meaning that you file taxes as a common law couple? That we live together for no longer than three months break. So that was the challenge, but I know we'll talk about my story later. 
Uh, and just before you ask for the questions, I just want to clarify for all the listeners here, we are not asking for irresponsible opening of the border. We are very aware and we do believe the government is so sincere and genuine in the fighting of the COVID-19 pandemic. We are not asking for special treatment. We are just asking to be together. Yeah, and it's incredibly difficult, I imagine, to the non... There's two things that I hear here. Um, one is the, what we use as the word marriage and wife uh, are also, or husband, also get tossed around loosely without definition. It crosses over, of course, from faith boundaries to civil boundaries and all those things, and we use the same words to describe multiples of things. So that's got to be incredibly confusing. So is common yeah. law. Now, the government loves taxes, so when the government, when you file taxes a certain way, you would think that that would be enough. But clearly, that's that's not it. And the pregnant part, you see partners that are having babies across the border and people um, meeting their new babies via video chat because they can't go. Um, that And leaving aside, like you said, being clear, leaving aside even the hospital and who can go to the hospital conversation, we're not mm-hmm. talking about that. We're just talking about the fact that even after you come home from the hospital, um, you can't go meet these people. What does it sounded like? We're going to take a break here in a second, uh, David. What does it sounded like to uh, the, the members of your group, the heartache, when they talk about not being able to be with their people? How hard is it on them? Very challenging. We have over a thousand members now in our three-week existence. Um, and our internal polling show that about 75% of us, even after the June 8th announcement, which we do believe was in good faith, 75, at least 75% of us are still unable to reunite with our loved ones. Um, we do not believe that this was a conscious effort by the government to exclude us. We think that we were just lost in the technicalities, the emotional turmoil, the challenging, the pain, not being able to be with your partner during the world, feeling like it's so scary. That's something that we're missing, and we just want to be with our partners. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to try to explain it how I understand. She came back. You guys thought you had all the approvals. Everything was good to go. (laughs) Embassy folks gave you the thumbs up, the high five. Correct. She got to Toronto, and they spun her around and kicked her butt back up. That was horrific, but yes, essentially that much. Wow. Um, so the, the details become very important here, so forgive me if I sound uh, a little bit too pedantic, but uh, in short, uh, I was visiting um, Alexandria in Ireland mid-March. This was just as uh, PM Trudeau had announced the travel restriction on foreign nationals. So between the 15th and the 18th, when they were declaring the travel restrictions on foreign nationals, my flights were canceled. I was panicking about getting home. We were worried about how COVID would work. So during this time, I reached out to the CBSA, the Canadian Border Services Agency, uh, as well as the local embassies. So that includes the Embassy to Canada in Dublin, who reached a counterpart, the Embassy to Canada in London, um, and saying, according to the CRA website, because we had never filed taxes before, we fit under common law definition of having lived together, but not having more than three months apart. We also gave them uh, some documents that we had. Uh, we, uh, we had a um, notarized letter from an Irish lawyer uh, saying that uh, our relationship is true. Um, we also had um, uh, just documents of like shared phone bills, uh, both in Ireland and in Canada. All this was sent. There was, there was no misleading. There was, uh, these are only true documents to all the relevant parties. We were told that after the 18th, we would likely be able to reunite given this documentation. I asked very specifically whether or not we could have some pre-authorization to get us through. I was able to get a flight back to Canada and was waiting in Canada for uh, Alexandria to come um, in mid-April. 
uh, right after my birthday. <laughs> um, so she tried flying in. First, the airlines, the CBSA, the embassies, and the IRCC all seemed to have, at the time, very different definitions of what could happen. In short, she was able to make it to Frankfurt, where she was then denied boarding to Toronto. We got an emergency letter, which was an exemption to the travel restriction from the Embassy to Canada in Berlin. At that point, she was allowed to board. Now, this paper very clearly says that she's able to make it to Canada, and the CBSA there will be able to decide, the border guard will be able to decide whether or not she's let in. There are some challenges in what happened at that point. We strongly feel that we were tra- that Alexandra was treated as if uh, she had lied to people, as if we had misled people. We were told that we didn't quite fit the criteria. We had all the documentation with us, and then she was sent home that day. Not only did that double her, inc- uh, her COVID exposure, but she had a documented negative COVID test from her physician uh, from, uh, from Ireland during this entire time. Now, the details of how it all worked out is very frustrating, but it showed how we felt the website information was not maybe up to date, how we were maybe not informed the best way. If we were told from the get-go that we could not come, that would be a different story. But because of the challenges, all the travel restriction, the evolving situation, a number of us, and I'm not unique in this respect, have fallen through the cracks and have been pulled apart from a, in an already difficult situation. I do not believe any agency actually actively was against our uniting, but I do believe a lot of us have fallen under the cracks in technicalities. Well, I just had a conversation yesterday with a restaurant owner that told me a very similar story. It had nothing to do with travel. It had to do with mm-hmm. they don't know who the boss is anymore because this person mm-hmm. is used to be, and then this person was, and this person says yes, then this person says no. And so it seems to be a common thread, not only in the case of travel. But David, as a man, you're there. I mean, this is your favorite person in the world, I'm assuming. <laughs> and you've, like yeah. you said, it's after your birthday. That's always a special time. And then oh, now all of a sudden you've gone through all of this and... I mean, this is your common law partner. She's there in Toronto. You know that she's basically on the other side of the wall, and um, metaphorically, and yet she has to turn away. Um, Before we wrap up here quickly, how did, you know, that must have crushed you, dude. It was absolutely very painful. And it took um, both Alex and I um, about two months to really recuperate and figure out our path forward. After seeing so many other stories, um, and, and by the way, I don't, I don't think we're actually considered common law. We can just consider us long-term partners. Because according to IRCC, we are right. not common law. Right. Um, there are so many other people with this pain. We have a 1,000 members. We have a full official a petition at the House of Commons, if you wish to support us. It's uh, e-petition 2657. Um, a lot of us are suffering. A lot of us are in pain. It was only after two months that we realized how large of a community we are, that we want to advocate to just allow the expansion of the term family to include our committed partners. A piece of paper saying that we're married does not increase or decrease our COVID risk. Well, if there's evidence, right? If there's evidence, there's evidence that your lives are entangled, right? And so, I mean, that's one thing. And I, you know, I I find it astounding that you can't use the evidence to somehow prove that. Thank you so much for the time, David. I appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. Um, There's actually a precedent in Denmark and the EU where they have a signed government form saying that if you've been together for more than six months, you guys are, uh, can reunite. But I'm so grateful for allowing your platform to share our story, Shane. Well, please keep us up to date. I appreciate that. Good luck and say hi to Alexandria for us. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. Wonderful. You too. Dr. David Edward Uipun. Uh, yeah, Alexandria's in Ireland. He's here. And I think of so many people. I think of people in Ottawa. I think of people in Niagara Falls and all through the peninsula and southern Ontario, south of London, down to Roy- towards Windsor. I mean, we broadcast this show in Winnipeg. That's not far. There's so many family members just across the border in Alberta, down in southern Alberta, across into Idaho and Montana, plus you have Vancouver, down into Washington. I mean, so many families across the border. And the heartbreak when you see babies born. I can't imagine uh, the stress that that puts on people that are far apart inside Canada, let alone the people uh, that have their relationships outside of Canada, too. It's amazing. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.